1: What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Bootleg Football Podcast. Happy to have you all here with us today, recapping everything that happened in Week 9. We had, uh, uh, really, a lot to talk about. Several massive games. Some of the weirdest quarterback performances that I've seen in a while, in terms of great quarterbacks playing terribly, and some not-so-great quarterbacks playing great. Uh, It it was a wild Week 9, so we got a lot to get to today. Before we start recapping our games though. EJ, my wonderful co-host buddy, how are you doing and what are you drinking tonight? I'm good. I'm tired. I'm
0: fired up. We got plenty to talk about, more than plenty to talk about, uh, as is typical, but uh, all you folks out there that want to consume this podcast on a weekly basis, you know what you're in for. Uh, It's a long ride and we couldn't be happier to have you along for it. Uh, I am drinking... Uh, A local beer from Fremont Brewing right up the road in Seattle, and it is one of the best named beers out there. It is the Sky Kraken Hazy Pale Ale, uh, which is great with the Kraken coming to Seattle as the new NHL team. Uh, The beer actually started before that, but it's got some great art on it with this giant squid taking down a Zeppelin in the clouds. Uh, So that's my beer, Hazy Pale Ale, good stuff. Uh, I've had it before. And for my shot of the week, I decided to go with the Jameson Limited Edition Cold Brew uh, for a little bit of a speedball action. So it's Jameson mixed with coffee. Yeah, it's tasty. It's great in coffee. It's great with any kind of coffee nudge type drink um i've just got it in a glass with a little bit of ice as is typical for me uh but hoping it'll give me a little bit of a boost here because we're recording fairly late um and it feels like a long week already but it
1: kind of can't be because it's only tuesday night yeah well this this week has been the longest year of our lives i guess you could say that's true that's (laughs) totally true I'm rocking my uh, Glenn Fittick 15 year tonight. I, I haven't had it on the show in a while, but I, I saw it up in my cabinet and I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I want something really smooth tonight. And if you really want a smooth, I don't even want to say it's like a beginner scotch because there's no such thing as a beginner scotch, I, I guess you could say. But if you want something that um, I think anybody can kind of approach and enjoy, Glenn Fittick 15 is one of the smoothest scotches out there. I mean buttery smooth not buttery flavor but just in terms of like it is the least offensive scotch i think i've ever tried <laughs> uh it's only 40 percent alcohol which i know by beer standards is a lot but by scotch standards that's it's on the lower end i mean just beautiful kind of honey fruit notes goes down super easy there's a little bit of spice but like not really at all uh great kind of fall sipper and uh yeah if you're new to scotch or if if you know a scotch lover and you're trying to think of like a good Christmas gift to get him Glenfiddich 15 is uh best oh, out there. Man. But
0: Christmas list, we got to come up with like
1: the bootleg Christmas list. Uh like the Christmas lift Christmas list uh for like football fans. Like I, what, I
0: just we we could do alcohol, we could do football, we could do other crap we think is cool. I didn't even think about that. Now I'm excited. I, I'm trying to look for things to get excited about for the holidays this year because obviously it's going to be a little bit different. But maybe we'll do that on a future podcast. A little bootleg football podcast Christmas list action.
1: And we could crowdsource this too. If you guys know of a really good oh, yeah, beer, absolutely. a really good whiskey, a tequila, a hot sauce, something for a football fan. Uh, if you guys know of anything that you're going to be getting, for uh, that special someone in your life that loves booze and or food and or football and or all of them, feel free to leave in the comments. Let us know what you guys are doing because I certainly need ideas. But (laughs) all that being said, (laughs) uh, I'm just saying I got a lot of people to shop for. uh,
0: It's true. So we're going to skip the point after this week. Speaking of a lot of stuff to do, uh, A, we put out a podcast pretty late last week and covered most of the stuff. And at this point of the season, look, we are midway through. Games are all starting to run together. I can't remember whether Thursday's game is this week's or next week's. Uh, Was that the Sunday game or the Monday game? So we're just going to skip the point after and go right to the important stuff. Bootleg shot of the week winner from last week. Uh, You guys all voted. And it's Emmanuel Ogba smacking Jared Goff into oblivion, which was certainly a worthy shot on the quarterback. And uh, the Dolphins defense coming up big again this week, so it doesn't look like an isolated incident for them, but that was the bootleg shot of the week winner from last last week, Emmanuel Ogba, getting after the Rams quarterback, Jared Goff, and, and just blowing him up. Big time, so I'm actually going to sip my shot tonight because I'd like to make it through the podcast in one piece.
1: Well, I got uh, Breckenridge bourbon, and I'm going to shoot this sucker because I love Breckenridge. So, that being said, Agba, cheers.
0: Oh, man. God, that's So
1: smooth. I don't know if you guys have ever had Breckenridge bourbon. Uh, If you're a Colorado resident, it's probably easier to get. I don't really know what their distribution is like, but if you're a native of Colorado or kind of somewhere... Uh, around where Breckenridge Bourbon is distributed and you've never had it before, go get it. It is fantastic stuff. But uh, anyway, uh, first big game we're going to recap this week is Panthers Chiefs, which was closer than I think a lot of people expected. The line was 10 points in favor of Kansas City. And I remember I put my picks article out uh, Sunday morning basically saying like, no, trust me, this is not going to be a 10-point game. Uh, the Panthers were getting some guys back from injury, uh, most notably Yitir Matos, and obviously Christian McCaffrey, who got hurt again this week, but still he was coming back. Um, Derek Brown, their nose tackle, has gotten every every single week he's gotten a lot better. Believe it or not, Derek Brown, again, big nose tackle, is second among all rookies in pressures right now. And Yitir Matos, before his ankle injury, which I think was like week four, if I remember correctly... Both he and Brian Burns were like top five in in edge rushers in the entire league in terms of pressure rate. So like this defensive line is young. They are phenomenal at rushing the passer and they were getting their best offensive player back. So I, I went into this game expecting it to be close and boy, it was a good one.
0: This is a great game, and the Panthers have gotten better. We we thought they might be good. I thought that Teddy Bridgewater was one of the best uh, free agent quarterback prizes of the offseason. I was very upset he didn't land in Chicago. That, of course, looks foreboding right now with where Chicago is. Uh, but, yeah, give a first-year coach credit. Comes in, transforms Carolina, Teddy playing extremely well, and they're getting contributions all over the place. We talked about the defense. Their entire draft was defense. A lot of those guys are contributing. They're just putting together a lot more of a push than many people probably gave them credit for. While I didn't think they were going to beat KC, the fact that the Panthers pushed the Chiefs to within a last-second field goal of winning it is amazing.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a roster that essentially got blown up and retooled without a true offseason because of covid and they're out here you know pushing the defending super bowl champs one of the few elite teams in the league to the brink and for a while i definitely thought they were going to win that game it kind of seems like the panthers four weeks in a row now they're they're just like the chargers they are losing close games but only barely and this is almost kind of reminiscent of like uh like the Dolphins in the second half of last season, after they kind of got out of that spell of being blown out. And then you started seeing them get progressively more competitive and competitive. And then they started winning some games. And then you're like, okay, maybe there's something here. The Panthers kind of skipped the getting blown out portion of the rebuild. And they've just been competitive all year. And I kind of feel like next year, again, you get presumably a true off season. Uh, I think pretty much all of their talent contract wise is going to be coming back and they're only three and six right now, so they're probably going to have a decently high draft pick too to get even more talent. Like the Panthers are going to be really, really good sooner rather than later. Um, and in regards to this one game, I also want to say I I hope they keep Joe Brady because it seems like he is the only person that Carolina's ever had that can actually use Curtis Samuel properly. And I would like to personally thank him for that because I loved Curtis Samuel coming out of the draft, and he just he never quite. Hit the way I thought he would, and then all of a sudden Joe Brady comes along he's giving him carries uh he's giving him a whole bunch of yak opportunities, and Samuel is just lighting it up right now so uh I, if I was Carolina I would do everything I could to keep Joe Brady in my building for at least one more year because he and all of these weapons together and Teddy and Christian and man this offense is really fun,
0: yeah, I saw my first Joe Brady as coach of the Chicago Bears next year post uh yesterday i wouldn't doubt it no he is he is one of the top play callers if not the top play caller right now in terms of effectiveness um right up there with andy reed um one of my favorite moments in this game was the opening touchdown from teddy to cmc because there aren't a ton of fans in the stadium and you can hear the players and you could hear (laughs) teddy yelling welcome back (laughs) Like he was so happy that Christian McCaffrey was back and you just see you get to see and hear the sort of joy of these guys going out there and and playing a game for a living uh so it was a great moment one of the not so great moments is we sung Dave Tubes praises specifically I sung Dave Tubes praises the special teams coordinator for Kansas City last week so of course what happens this week Gets drilled by a fake punt, long conversion. Of course he did, right after we said he's always prepared. He's totally dialed. Of course.
1: Is this a common curse, or is this something I brought on him? I can't quite decide. I mean, how often does a special teams unit run four verts out of a punt formation? I mean, I mean that's... <laughs> I'm sorry it, it just crazy. makes me giggle when I think about it so I'm like <laughs> maybe more often if I'm in charge oh uh, which I mean that's Kansas City's favorite play too and the Panthers ran it on special teams just because they could yeah it I
0: that wasn't lost on me is that they were going oh yeah we can do it we can do it out of special teams we don't even have to do it out of our base oh <laughs> um so super fun game in a lot of ways but then samuel comes back jets around the edge for td like i said a couple notes about mahomes we need to keep talking about him because he's a tremendous player but you almost get tired of talking about him because he's a tremendous player uh newsflash if you give patrick mahomes all day he'll kill you i don't know if you knew that but um there were a couple times where this supposedly supposedly devastating pass rush did not get to him and oh boy that That is not a setup for success. Um, new wrinkle this week, pre-snap QB motion. Uh, the rest of the league just has to hate Andy Reid. Yes, Patrick Mahomes went in motion before the snap, came back, kind of caught it on the run, looped around, ended up throwing a touchdown off that play. Uh, and there was another play they scored on that Mahomes is, uh, one of the things we don't talk about because we talk about his, uh, his elusiveness, the fact that he's a tremendous athlete. Um, obviously his arm talent is at the top of the list all the time. He's really good at ball fakes. And there was a play in this game where the cameraman was like, what, no, wait, what? And you know, then Mahomes pulls it back up, throws it for a little screen pass touchdown. So, um, just, it's really cool to see a young guy working on not only the big and flashy things, but also the little things that make quarterbacks really good and hard to defend. And Mahomes just seems committed and has seemed very committed since his entry into the league at doing all the things, not, not just the things he was good at, not just the things he likes, but all the things to make his game diverse and even harder to defend. And, uh, that's
1: just bad news for the rest of the league. The mark of a quarterback that works really hard is how committed they are to mastering ball handling. And I'm not talking just in terms of faking it, but I'm talking in terms of hitting their landmarks, uh, you know, to, to hand off properly for a running back so they can hit their track in the run game, uh, in terms of how they open their hips, uh, again, to to set up the perfect fake. Like sometimes quarterbacks will step differently based on the kind of front they see because they know they might have to get a little bit wide or cut a little bit short in order to put their body in the right eye line to keep the linebackers guessing. And Mahomes does that. Like he he is so good. Like part of the reason why their play action pass game and like their RPO game and stuff is so good is he's very good at hiding the ball from linebackers to the last possible second. And it makes their windows just wide open over the middle, you know, Kelsey, like when he'll, he'll catch these wide open passes and you're wondering, it's like, why are the linebackers biting up so much? It's like, well, because they can't see the ball. You know, Lamar does it very well, too, over in Baltimore. Like if you can't see the ball, you're just guessing. And when you're guessing against an offense like Kansas City or Baltimore or any of these other guys, uh, you're you're just going to lose. Like that's just how it is. Yep. So, Casey, uh, lots of
0: fakes. More than I think any team in the league and we saw the good and the bad. It was sort of the tale of two cities bit, right? Best of times and worst of times. Casey ran a two fake screen that got absolutely blown up, just smashed, ended up being about an eight yard loss. Uh, and then within the same drive, later on, they ran a two-fake-leak concept on the goal line, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire scored on it. So it's just something you're going to have to live with as a KC fan. Not that it's very difficult to live with because they're winning like crazy right now, but they're going to live and die by the sort of Lakers, Showtime, Razzle Dazzle, Tip Pass, Underhand, uh, two-fake game. They're, just, they're having a ton of fun. They're playing loose, and they're having great success with it, but occasionally it bites them and it did uh, earlier in that drive. But of course they scored on a somewhat similar play later on in the same drive. So they're not going to stop. This is like a, a shooter, right? A designated shooter in basketball that is Mm -hmm. just going to keep putting it up. Right. He, he knows that if he keeps putting them up, the points are going to come and Kansas city knows if they keep running fakes, tip passes, uh, pre-snap quarterback motion of all things the points are going to come they've got the talent everybody's playing together um so you're going to see the good and the bad and you're going to see a whole lot more good than you are with than bad with kc right now so um the other thing you might just want to cover tyree kill just a thought um panthers busted yeah coverage yeah, on him so. you know guy that scores i don't know every once in a while um anyways they didn't they got burned on that uh that didn't help You talked about Curtis Samuel at the top uh, as a runner and as as just as a weapon. I would say he's up for a catch of the year candidate, top of the fourth quarter. uh, Teddy threw one sort of back inside when he was running a a slant to sort of the left edge. He threw it back to the right of him, and Samuel somehow kind of stops and jacks his body back towards the middle of the field, catches it diving with two hands midair. Just an amazing feat of sort of body control, awareness, hands, just everything coming together. Tremendous catch.
1: It it wasn't a great ball. And Samuel's not very big, but he's so explosive. I mean, he jumped. It must have been three or four yards back to get that thing. I mean, he full extension. And, and, you know, again, that's it was a 28 yarder, which accounted for probably about 30% of his production on the day, just in that one catch. And he... He laid out for it completely. Uh, So again, credit to him just kind of making his quarterback right. And especially on a crucial drive in the fourth quarter, they were down by, if I remember correctly, it was like eight or nine points at that time. And that kind of jump started the drive to to help them pull within two or three points, which I think was the final score of the game. So again, that drive was pure
0: highlights, man, because Samuel had the first catch, which we just talked about. Then Teddy sells out. Superman style for the first he gets close to the marker and he says bag it I don't really care I'm not gonna slide I'm literally just gonna huck my meat over the marker and take the impact (laughs) gets the first down and you just you know again as a player as a coach you worry about the health as a coach but as a player that guy just sold out for us right Curtis Samuel sells out for his diving catch Teddy sells out for the first down uh cmc comes up with a miracle catch in that drive as well and then bridgewater keeps yep and bridgewater keeps for the td like that is an amazing drive with contributions from all their playmakers against one of if not the best teams in the league at a time they really needed it that's those are the kind of things that even though carolina loses the game you can build on those are guys pulling hard for each other making big plays when the game's on the line uh, those are not things that you should overlook as, oh, well, Casey won the game, it doesn't matter. It does matter, and Carolina's building a foundation. They add a few more pieces on offense, and that you know young defense starts to mature, look out.
1: Plus, look at the rest of the division, just kind of looking at it from a macro perspective, because I know on this podcast we love to talk about roster building and everything like that. Look at the rest of the division. You got Tom Brady, who's old. Last couple of years of his career, probably uh, Drew Brees, probably in the last year of his career. Matt Ryan, depending on how high the Falcons are picking, uh, they they might be moving on from him as well. Uh, I, the financials are going to be kind of interesting to work out, but again, you only get so many top five picks. This is a very good quarterback class. It wouldn't surprise me if they're if they're starting to look at the future after this year, especially if they're getting a new head coach. So the Panthers are kind of primed here to take over the division from three other teams that all have quarterbacks that might not be there in the next two years. You've got Teddy, who's still in his prime, and he's a good quarterback. And I I truly believe they'll probably keep him if he keeps playing like this, which he's played very, very well this year. Again, you're going to have a high pick. You have a lot of young talent. Uh, Matt Rule is a good young coach. Like There's so much good to look forward to on offense defense and the coaching staff here that even if they they end up going I don't know five and eleven six and ten this year I almost don't care because as you said the foundation and the landscape of the division going forward like I think Carolina is going to run this division in one or two years and then keep running it for a very long time
0: Yeah. It depends on their quarterback stability. I would not go away from Teddy. He's got a hot hand he's playing and guys are playing for him right now. Yes. He's certainly not a liability and you could do a lot worse. And obviously quarterback gambling is a very expensive proposition. You mentioned the Falcons. Interesting position because of Ryan's contract and people say, oh, they couldn't possibly take a quarterback high. Very strong possibility. They take a quarterback high And Matt Ryan becomes the ultimate one-year bridge because his number to get rid of after this year is a lot better. Yeah. If they try and get rid of him next year, it's prohibitive. It's a very big number. Uh, So Matt Ryan could be the ultimate one-year bridge. And remember, Mahomes did not play his freshman year in the NFL. Right. He sat behind Alex Smith. He learned uh, Matt Nagy was his quarterback coach and he came out ready to go in year two. That could be a very similar situation for whoever ends up in Atlanta if they do indeed decide to pick a quarterback high in this draft. Because you're right, if you're going to get a quarterback prospect, typically top half of the first is where you're going to get the guys that have the best chance. And still, that's only about half and half, but uh, it's better than better than digging around down in the fourth or fifth and hoping.
1: But we'll talk about one of those guys later on today. By the way, just slight note, uh, you know oh, yeah. who's a really good quarterback prospect who happens to be from Kennesaw, Georgia, an Atlanta suburb? <laughs> Justin Fields. Just yeah. saying. Just <laughs> saying. Just Georgia native, it. yep. Just say Just say it.
0: Just say good happen. Oh, it, there's a lot of things could happen. It's going to be a fascinating offseason. We'll have plenty of time to get to that. This game went back and forth. Chiefs marched right down, scored, throwing to Hill. Color me shocked. Never happens. I I don't know. I just fell off my chair. Tyree Kill touchdown. down.
1: What?
0: <laughs> he never gets those. Um, but then CMC scores again to pull within one score. So, you know, again, the Panthers take a shot right in the mouth and march right back down the field and go, nope, we're not rolling over. Um Towards the end of the game, big sack by Brian Burns on Mahomes. Uh, you don't see those very often, uh, but Burns is super quick. Good move to get around. And, you know, bottom line, Panthers pushed the Chiefs to within a last second field goal of winning it. And yep. that's, you know, they didn't make the field goal. But the fact that they were even in that position against that team this year says a ton about where Carolina's at and where they're going.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm super excited to see what this team looks like in one or two years. I'd be willing to bet they lose Joe Brady, probably after this year. To be honest, um, it'll be tough to hold on to him. It's gonna be really tough to hold on to him, especially because again, the Panthers are likely not gonna go to the playoffs at this point. You already got six losses. I highly doubt in a very competitive uh, NFC that they rip off seven straight wins to go ten and six and sneak in. Like it's possible, but I doubt it which means yep. Joe Brady's going to be able to interview before a lot of these other coordinators, like, say, Eric Bien-Aimé, uh, who may or may not be going back to the Super Bowl this year. Like Joe Brady's going to be one of the, the first guys to get interviews, which means he's probably going to be one of the first guys to get hired. And we know that everybody loves hiring young, you know, up-and-coming offensive coaches and kind of rolling dice on them. So I, I doubt they keep uh, Joe Brady beyond this year just because he's going to be hot commodity Maybe for Chicago, maybe, maybe
0: we'll see. Depends on the situation. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to it because it actually looks like Joe Brady can run an offense, and and Chicago, um, how am I going to say this gently? I'm not. They can't. So you know, <laughs> that seems to be a major difference. By the way,
1: uh, a, a word to our listeners: We're not talking about the Bears game. We can't do it. Yeah, we, we just, just can't. We're not
0: we, doing it. If you want to hear about the Bears game, tune into Bears over Beers. I have to talk about it there, but we're even going to limit it there. We're really going to talk about what's next because it's the same old thing. If you've watched uh, a Bears loss in the last, say, five years, it's the same thing. So we're yeah. we're not going to till that field again right here. We're going to go to Raiders Chargers. And I'm going to start off with a fun fact that uh, I just love. The Chargers Dark Blue Unis... Are oh, elite. They so are good. so good. Like the powder blues are amazing. The whites look really good. The dark blues are stunning. I grew up uh watching racing in my household, and one of my all time favorite automotive liveries is the Penske Sunoco, like Trans Am series cars, 68, 69 Camaros, dark blue, with the big yellow Sunoco logo on the hood. Like, it's the same color scheme and it Mm -hmm. looks awesome on the field like i tuned into that game and i was like oh they just they look even better than they did during the reveal um those things are amazing if they wore them every other week i would not complain one lick the chargers pretty much winning the uniform battle right now those things are so sick
1: it's every single chargers uniform whether it's the darks it's the whites it's the powder blues Literally every single Chargers uniform is incredible, and any any uniform discussion about who is the best in the league, like it's not it's not a discussion to me. Like it's it's the Chargers. Like they just blow everybody out of the water. They're so freaking good. Um, but you know, it's almost been like that way for a while because I feel like the Chargers haven't had a bad uniform. Uh, I don't know my entire life. yeah not
0: terrible and that's the thing when they said they were going to redo them everybody was like well hey man they're they're pretty good what are you going to do and they knocked it out of the park it's amazing It's, it's really rare for that to happen usually uniform designers not to go too far down a rabbit hole but they try and do too much and if anybody puts out
1: another fade they're going to get smacked. Or the, the, the freaking alarm clock numbers from Tampa for a few years. and like, Yeah, I mean, there's a lot what of missteps doing? and the
0: Chargers uniform designers took none of them and they got all the good stuff in the same bucket. It's crazy, but those dark blues are so, so good. On to the game, which was also pretty good. Um, Devontae Booker goes around the edge with speed for the first TD. Yes, not Josh Jacobs, but Booker. And uh looked fast doing it he's he's definitely played well in backup action this year but uh opens the scoring looking quicker than i remember him he's always had some good power his vision's been pretty solid but man did he blaze around the edge on that i thought whoa and you wonder if a guy sort of lost weight or went to speed training in the offseason or whatever it was but it definitely um more fleet of foot than i remember booker being um in his time when he jumped into the league Uh, the guy that got burned is one of our favorites. Jerry Tillery needed to set the edge on that play a little bit harder. They pulled two guys out in front of him, but he did not. He set a kind of soft edge, and it basically let all those guys spill, and they're the ones that picked up the second and and even third level. And, you know, Booker ends up with a big TD early to break open the scoring.
1: Yeah, that was a little bit frustrating to me because they kept putting Tillery, because Bosa was out, they kept Mm -hmm. putting Tillery at like a six technique um because they wanted him to be able to still be able to peek inside because they expected a lot of inside runs. They expected power, they expected an inside zone, they expected duo. They wanted Tillery um, to be able to either play six technique on a tight end and peek inside or play like a true five technique on a tackle and peek inside when they just kept hitting those pin and poles to the edge over and over again. And at some point, they hit on like five or six times. At some point I was like, guys, just Put him outside, put him at a seven, put him at a nine, just stop letting stuff outside. And if they run inside, whatever, let the linebackers deal with it. But yeah, they were giving at up at that point. Yeah, they were giving up like 15 yards carry.
0: Yeah, he started going across the face on his guy. And on that particular run, because he was the closest thing to an edge, there was no linebacker behind him that was wider. Uh, that was it. Like all of a sudden you're looking at three blockers out on the edge and they're just looking at cornerbacks and safeties going. (laughs) So it's just, uh, I don't know. I don't know why was a bummer. And it's, it's, you know, scheme and setup. sometimes the offensive call, uh, you know, just outmatches the defensive call. But like you said, once it happens two or three times, you got to adjust.
1: Yeah, they got, um, at some point in the third quarter, they were averaging like 10 yards of carry total and like 15 yards of carry just on that one run. Like, it, it was nuts. It's like, you guys got to make an adjustment at some point because they hit on it over and over and over again. Yeah. Every time they got that front, Derek checked to it. Like, it's like they had a uh, like they had a word for it. I can't remember what it was, but he would literally just see anytime they didn't have a hard edge pre-snap, you would just look around and be like, okay, I guess we're going to do it again. And it yeah. kept working free uh, money free money yeah and
0: this was one that caught both of us Kalen Balaj ends up in the Los Angeles Chargers and scores in his debut and they were like Balazs for the touchdown and I was like wait a minute there's only one of those <laughs> <laughs> and did he end up on the Chargers but uh you know nice touchdown on his first run uh You know, Booker comes back and gets the edge again. I think we talked about that already. Um, But then they do the nice counterpunch. Jacobs comes back with a nice run for the score that was more of an inside run. And it's not really, people always love to say thunder and lightning when you've got two running backs. It's not really like that with with Jacobs and Booker. They they both have a similar style. Uh, Look, I think Jacobs has more talent than Booker. But when you're alternating those guys, it's just two strong punchers punching. And, you know, you go outside and you go inside with two runners that look the same, just wearing people down. And the Raiders looked, uh, I would say, in command early.
1: Yeah, it's just it's such an efficient offense. Uh, And I remember reading that the Raiders right now are number two in the league in terms of having drives end up in points, like the percentage of drives that they have that start regardless of field position where they get something out of them. It's at fifty percent. Fifty percent of their drives they end up scoring on. And even though their red zone scoring attempts is like kind of middle of the pack, it's at like about three and a half, which is somewhere around twelve or thirteen. So again, higher in the middle of the pack. So they don't always get into the red zone, but they at least get into that kind of like twenty-five to thirty-five yard area where you can get Carlson in for a field goal range. So Again, their their yards per drive is just astronomical cuz they're so efficient with the run game. They're so good off play action. Derek Carr has been fantastic at the line of scrimmage this year in terms of seeing stuff pre-snap and getting his offense into the right play. Like truly the Raiders are I think one of my favorite teams to watch right now cuz they're just good at football. Like they're good at the little things of football, at least on the offensive side. The defense could still use work. But how many other teams could have so many different offensive line combinations, which they've had this year because of injuries and COVID and all that kind of stuff. They've had so many problems on the offensive line, and they haven't missed a beat because Derek Carr's been good. You know, even with games without Rugs, even with games without Edwards. You know, they, they've had injury issues at receiver. Like so many excuses could have been made for this team in terms of losing talent, but they. But again, they're still one of the most efficient offenses in the entire league all the credit in the world to Gruden all the credit in the world to Carr who had a fantastic game he was another one of those quarterbacks that went up and and did a hurdle himself It seems like that was the thing for quarterbacks this week uh man I I love watching these Raiders they are so scrappy
0: yeah and they're pushing the ball down the field in a good way a lot of times you see people that are pushing the ball down the field that aren't named Mahomes and you know, Justin Herbert on the other side of this, we're not going to not talk about him. Don't worry about that. Chargers fans, he's been a revelation pushing the ball down the field because he really wasn't doing it that way in his last year in college. And he's looked so good in doing it um, in his opening campaign in the NFL. But Carr, we talked about as a guy that was really sort of more efficient, quick game. We talked about him in the off season. And he has been launching, like you said, with authority. He knows where he's going with mm-hmm. the ball. He's getting it off at the right time. He's not late down the field. He's getting leads for his receivers. Uh, just a, like you said, a ton of fun to watch. Quite frankly, I'm just jealous. Because I'm a Bears fan and I don't really get to watch offense and to see, again, a team that is clicking on all cylinders and pushing the ball down the field and using their weapons and has a very competent run game. I just kind of drool when I watch the Raiders offense because I have that what if moment of, oh, if you matched anything that looked like that with the Bears defense, um, they'd probably be undefeated right now. Um, the chargers offense is fun to watch as well. And, and we talked about this in our preview episode of the AFC West. We were like, well, um, <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. And we didn't think the chargers were going to be anywhere near this much fun this year. Uh, we knew the chiefs were, we knew the Raiders were built to keep up with them and attract me and having, you know, Justin Herbert vault himself into the, you know, sort of legion of excellent deep ball throwers this early in his career has just made the rest of it This is just a ton of fun. Every interdivisional game, you know, is so much fun because they're just going at it.
1: Yeah, no, it's... I'm honestly, I'm very surprised with some of these quarterbacks this year. Carr, like we we had seen... I'll I'll kind of talk about both of them. We'd seen Carr play really well in 2016. It seemed like we were waiting forever for him to get back to that level. And now he obviously has got back to that level. And I've also been surprised, but pleasantly surprised with Herbert... With just how phenomenal he's been so far. He's the third highest passer rating in the league under pressure. Like, if you told me in August that Derek Carr would be playing the best football of his career and Justin Herbert would be playing like a rookie of the year, like not just contender, but like front runner, like by a lot, uh, I, I would have thought you were crazy, but here we are. Carr's been magnificent. Herbert has been a revelation. So good under pressure. He's been unflappable extremely accurate deep making good decisions like there there have been some some bad obviously decisions here and there like there's some stuff where i kind of attribute it to almost like young mahomes when he was in his first like five or six games where he was making some throws and kind of figuring out what he could could and couldn't get away with like there's been some of those but on the whole herbert's been just phenomenal uh and again all the credit in the world to him for doing the work and um obviously the coaching staff for getting him ready to play without a true off season and you know he didn't even get starters reps in camp this has been one of the most remarkable um transformations from a college prospect that I did not think was very good like he had talent obviously but in terms of like the actual playing the position I did not think he was very good just based on what we saw at Oregon but then the transformation to what we're seeing now with the Chargers like I I can't really remember many cases that are like this of of somebody kind of going into the cocoon and emerging as a butterfly this quickly like he has been so so good and the Chargers clearly have a franchise quarterback um, and in this division where you're going up against the Raiders that are a really good offense the Chiefs obviously with Mahomes and then Drew Locke I think we've seen some good things but I, don't, I think the jury's still out until he gets all of his talent back around him there's been a lot of injuries in Denver so I don't think we can fully judge him at the moment but Man, this division has all these young quarterbacks that are just so damn good, and I, I legitimately don't know what the AFC West is going to look like for the next five or six years because every single team I think can make a case for being a, a playoff team, other than Denver. But when Denver gets healthy, I think they can make a case for being a playoff team. Like this is just a crazy division. It's so much fun. And it's,
0: it's just good for football. That's what it is. The fact that you have four competitive teams, four young quarterbacks, and I'll call Carr a young quarterback. He's the most mature of the bunch, but still not anywhere near past his prime. And Locke has shown Moxie, right? Locke's shown the ability to get that ball. And he did again this week. He made some really big throws under pressure. He's less consistent than the other guys. Uh, but it's going to be a ton of fun to watch, a treat for football fans for a long time. And it bodes really, really well for football. There was a time when we didn't have a lot of good young quarterback prospects throughout the league, and that's bad for football. And this is the opposite of that. This is a, a you know an embarrassment of riches at the position in one division, just going at it every week you know they all could like you said stake the claim as possibly the best team in the division on a given week you know look right now everybody's chasing the chiefs but you can see a young denver team growing together um lock starting I mean, to clean up the consistency you know the chargers the raiders
1: beat them the raiders Absolutely. just beat them the chargers took them to the wire in herbert's first start like the chiefs are the best team in the division but not by that much like, no, these other it, teams it's definitely are definitely on their heels doormats, you know, who are gonna have to rise
0: up. This is not the AFC East, which has been one way for a very long time, looking up at the top of the mountain. This is gonna be a jumbled division and a and a fun one, uh, like you said, for a long time because they're all set up with good young talent
1: and they're just gonna fight it out for a while, and we're just gonna get to watch, and that's awesome. By the way, if anybody wants just kind of speaking of crazy quarterbacks in this division if anybody wants to see the best throw of the week uh, go look up Carr's 53 yarder to Renfro on the run just sick I mean completely ridiculous throw like it it's a very Mahomes type of throw it's a Herbert type of throw I almost didn't even realize that Carr had that kind of arm but I mean he he laid it out there perfectly for Renfro uh, while on the run. I think he got out of a sack earlier in the play, too. Just a crazy play. And he's just having that kind of year, man. 2016 car is back. I'm not saying he's a you know he's an MVP candidate, because I think Russ and, and Mahomes are kind of have that discussion well in hand. But man, he's playing so well that again, I right now I have the Raiders slotted in at least for a wild card because he's he's honestly playing that well so they're gonna be a yeah they're gonna be a tough out
0: but my favorite thing about that 53 yard gain to renfro is that it was total schoolyard so he gets out of pressure he rolls around to his right he looks he gets his eyes back upfield he looks downfield he sees what he's got he sees he's got two receivers on the right hand side and he just go on go deep right he just flashes his (laughs) hand turn around run i'll get it to you right he just takes he's got about 10 yards until he hits the sideline He just rips it on the run and you know right over the defensive back into renfro 53 but he just literally sent him deep as soon as he got out of pressure got his eyes up he was like go 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 (laughs) and then he just throws it on a line down the sideline um pure schoolyard stuff tons of fun to see that actually work in the nfl
1: now i I do we've been gassing up the chargers for this whole segment but we do have to talk about them chargering again, because it kind of seems like they can't stop doing it. For as good a team as this is, and again, I know they keep losing games, but this is still a team that gets 16-point leads on everybody every single week, like, other than this week, but, like, they, they are consistently in position to win games. Like, this is a very good team. And then they keep doing stuff like muffing punts, so the Raiders get a field goal out of it. Huge swing and momentum. Uh, you know, they're set up inside a Two minutes, they're they're driving down the field. They almost get the fade to a backup tight end. Uh, Parham, I think is how you pronounce his name. Donald Parham. And the DB was 31. I can't remember his name. Just kind of raked his arm through and knocked out the last second. You know, the TD was on the board, and then they reviewed it and took it off. There was all the elation. The Chargers finally didn't charger it up again. And then they did. Like, this team is so good at snatching defeat from the jaws of victory and honestly they should be in the driver's seat for a playoff spot and not the raiders right now but they just can't stop screwing up
0: yeah this comes back to a term that you hear a lot of football folks players coaches even execs and commentators talk about which is learning how to win and Mm -hmm. learning how to win means learning how to tighten things up in the last couple of minutes and not making those errors, right? You still have to make the big plays. Look, the Chargers are making the big plays, but you can't make the bad ones. You can't muff that punt. You just can't, right? It's not the way. Now, Parham has to catch that, but one of the things we said last week, and it hasn't changed to this week, is Herbert's doing all this. Yes, he's got Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Like They are great receivers, um, he's got Hunter Henry when he's in there at the tight end spot. But a lot of these plays he's making to backup players, right? Players that are not top tier. It is not the kind of depth that we see uh, you know, in Atlanta's receiving core or Dallas's receiving core, right? He's doing it with less. So part of this is the old Jimmy's on Joe's thing, right? Your guys have got to be better than their guys. And his guys aren't right now, especially down the roster, but he's still creating plays with them in there, which bodes extremely well for the future. And what they've got to do is figure out a way to eliminate those killer mistakes at the right time. You could make that kind of mistake in the second quarter. It's usually not going to cost you the game. You cannot make that kind of mistake inside the last three or four minutes and expect to win a tight game against a talented team like the Raiders. So learning how to win isn't some, you know, magical woo-woo philosophy that the team needs to bring in. It is tighten up and don't, you know, choke it away is what everybody talks about. They've been so close, but you've got to it becomes almost sort of a mental block thing like, oh, it's going to happen again, right? The Chicago Cubs had this for damn near 100 years, right? Mm -hmm. As soon as something started going bad, it was like, oh, here we go again. We're the Cubs, right? And if you start to have that mentality, then it is a mental thing. Um, But sometimes it takes one thing, right? The tough win uh, over the rival team when you don't. It's tight. You need to make the plays. You make the plays and you don't you know, step on your tongue in front of a national TV audience. And if they do it once, they get a taste for it. That's all some teams need to kind of get off that schneid and be like, nope, that's all we've got to do. And then they understand what it means to play in crunch time. And honestly, it's training for the playoffs because the playoffs are the same way. In yes. The NFL, you lose your out, right? The mistakes can cost you. And the mistakes in those final minutes when the scores are usually tight is the difference between moving on, and having a chair at the table or not having a chair at the table so it's all good training for that and they're just doing the regular season version of it and then we see teams that can never get over that hump in the postseason right they play really well in the in the regular season they roll into the playoffs and they make an ugly mistake in week one and they're out and they do it two or three years in a row and then people start to say look they're pretenders they're not hardened up enough to make it mentally through the playoffs so the chargers are right there they're a super young team you know, Herbert's only been at the controls for, what, six games now?
1: Is that right? And But you, you wouldn't know it with how well he's you, playing.
0: You wouldn't know it, and it's, it's not for the most part on him, right? He didn't muff the punt. He threw the ball to Parham, and it was there for the catch. Look, didn't complete the catch. We get it. But it's football is a team game. Look, we talk a lot about the quarterbacks. talk a lot about the play callers. There's a lot of focus on those positions. But look, your backup tight end has to make the play in the end zone. He has to catch it or you lose the game. It is a team game, 11 guys aside. side. So, you know, they're close. They're amazingly close, a lot closer than we thought, especially playing a rookie quarterback. Um, but here they are. And if they can polish it up again, they're probably not going to push for it this year because they got themselves in a the hole early and that's okay. But if they use the back half of the season, just like the Dolphins used the back half of last season to figure it out and dial it in you can come out of the gate strong next year and we always see teams do that turn their records around in a really stark way because they were figuring it out at the end of a quote-unquote losing season and they you know they parlay that into some winning early next year get out to a division lead and then maybe hold on to it
1: this year the panthers and chargers played back in september a little bit of an ugly game when they play each other again in four years that one's going to be a Freaking barn burner, because both of those teams I think, are going to be peaking at about that time. I I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. But uh, that being said, I do want to take a moment to thank our sponsor for this week. Uh, as usual, Manscaped has stepped up to kind of sponsor the show. They've been a great friend of the program. You guys have have kind of uh, really embraced them as well for supporting us, and I thank you guys as well. Manscaped, if you are new to the show for some reason and you haven't heard, they're the best brand in men's grooming today. I personally use their stuff for two or three years now. They've been a longtime sponsor of me. And then they also wanted to sponsor EJ with this podcast as well, just cause they, they really love my audience. And I've had multiple iterations of their famous lawnmower body trimmer. As a result, I've had three versions now. And their newest update, the lawnmower 3.0, is by far their best one. It's waterproof. It's got a replaceable ceramic blade with their skin-safe technology, so you get no nicks and cuts. It's got a really powerful motor, so it can cut through even the thickest of body hair. I use it weekly myself, and I also use their new nose hair trimmer that they sent us, the Weed Whacker, a lot as well. Because, weirdly enough, once you kind of turn 26, like the last four or five years, I've started growing a lot of nose hair. I don't, I don't know if, if that's just a weird male aging thing but i don't really like it that much and the weed whackers uh kind of helped me out with that so again thank you to manscape for sending me that the weed whacker has that same 9000 rpm motor with a 360 degree rotary dual blade system and of course again that proprietary skin safe technology to help prevent those nicks and snags and tugs or if you're not in need of any new trimmers right now but you still want to up your grooming game Manscaped also offers a wide variety of excellent colognes, body washes, and deodorants that all smell fantastic and leave your skin and hair feeling amazing. So, if you're interested in either the Lawnmower 3.0 or the Weed Whacker or any of Manscaped's other great grooming products that, again, I've used for a very long time and I've always loved them, head on over to manscaped.com and use promo code BOOTLEG for 20% off your order plus free shipping. Again, that is promo code BOOTLEG at manscaped.com for 20% off your order and free shipping. And with that being said, EJ, let's head on to uh, maybe the most entertaining game I watched all week. And that was Tua versus Kyler, the rematch, Dolphins versus Cardinals. Uh, Man, this game had everything. Including seemingly uh, the weekly Agba strip sack, <laughs> which we're just getting literally every week at this point on a zero blitz. It's like quarterbacks, for whatever reason, when they see zero, it's like they don't realize that that the offensive line is going to block inside out and Agba is going to be coming free. Like they got Goff with it. They got Kyler with it. And what was really weird on that Kyler one is Kyler is one of the best quarterbacks statistically against zero in the entire league. Like, he's got fifth most touchdowns, top three or four in passer rating against zero. He knows how to handle it, but for whatever reason, when the Dolphins were throwing it at him, he just froze. And Ogba came out of nowhere, stripped him. Uh, They returned it for yet another fumble return touchdown again. They're second in two weeks. There's something about this Dolphins team that when they're parking all of their DBs at an eight-yard depth, and they're saying, look, we're bringing the house see what you can do to stop it. Quarterbacks just freeze and they just get lit up.
0: It was really odd to see Murray do that for all the reasons that you, and early in the game too, right? He is a very cool customer. He is extremely mobile. I think that adds to his calm demeanor. He knows he can get out of almost anything with a couple of steps. He's ridiculously quick. I would say the quickest quarterback in the league. Um, And I don't think that's up for much of a debate. And, you know, he's played a lot of big time football and he's seen this blitz, especially plenty. And he usually is able to do what he needs to do, whether that's, you know, spin out and scoot away, which only he can do in that way, or just hit hot, right? He's very good Mm -hmm. at that. And to see him kind of Wander into the backfield wide eyed and lose like, I mean, at the point of the sack, he probably had lost already nine, 10 yards before the strip sack. And he just kind of looked like uh, hopeless. He was like, I, I, I don't know. This is terrible. (laughs) This doesn't usually happen. And, you know, then it becomes a strip sack and scoop and score just a strange strange play to open the game with and you thought huh i wonder if this is a at least i did i thought i wonder if this is i wonder if this is gonna be an off day well turns out not so much he's gonna come back and be the kyler we know for the rest of the game um he comes back, speaking of great ball fakes, a great ball freak from Kyler Murray and tosses the easy score to Max Williams, who just came back from the injured list. Haven't seen a ton of Max Williams. I was super high on him coming out of college. Um, has had a bit of a checkered career, but uh, pops up and scores pretty much immediately in his return to the Cardinals, which is good to see. Um, then there was a Jordan Howard sighting. <laughs> scores on a plunge, which is pretty much what he does right now. He's on, he's on pace for... I don't know, like 13 touchdowns and like 50 total yards for the season or something like that. <laughs> um, but, you know, good to see Jordan, you know, making his money on short yardage. And then Murray comes back, speaking of being the Kyler that we all know and love, his deep strike to Christian Kirk. Oh, 56 yards, in the thing of beauty. Top so of the second good. quarter. Like... Steps back in the pocket, sees what's developing, takes a good two or three step hop, stepping up, driving into that pocket. Nice, clean pocket was provided for him. Look, he's not the tallest guy. Doesn't need it. Just rips it and puts it out in front. I love quarterbacks who can put the ball out in front of their receivers. It seems to be a lost art with this whole back shoulder fade, right? A lot of people throwing back shoulders and leaving people short. No, guys like Justin Herbert and Kyler, you know, on this particular play, out in front of the receivers let the guys run under it throw it away from coverage um, let them run to it Christian Kirk did that beautifully scored just a gorgeous gorgeous deep ball um, but to a you know undaunted hooks up with guy we highlighted a few weeks ago Preston Williams two times on a quick drive for the score Williams gets the TD as well the teams trade field goals at the end of the half and it's 24-17 Miami mostly again due to that uh, early defensive score uh and so you know you go into halftime and you're like oh was, you know, good game defense contributed for miami so they're up by a little bit but you know kyler got his footing back and uh you know looks like it could be a game well turns out it's gonna be a game um <laughs> van ginkel this guy he's had a play in three or four weeks specifically that i can remember two big ones in the last two weeks forces a fumble on the kicker turner and the dolphins recover super short field now they don't turn that into a touchdown, but great play by Van Genkel right off the right off the gun in the second half to say, nope, we're gonna keep the pressure on. Um and then Kyler Kyler's <laughs> ridiculous scramble in the third quarter, which he does every I feel like we say oh that every God. week. Um He's so you know, fast, man. Yeah, he's fast and he's quick. And just a yeah primer for our listeners, those aren't the same thing fast Mm -hmm. is overall top speed can you leg it out when you get to top speed are you covering distance that's that's what we talk about when we talk about fast quick is how quickly you can get up to that top speed and can you do it with any kind of change of direction that agility and kyler is all of those things he's pretty damn fast especially for a guy with short legs he is Liquid quick. He is the quickest quarterback in the league by far. And he makes defenders look silly because of it. They just know. They are, make no mistake about it, they are afraid of him and with good reason because he makes them look silly on a regular basis. And they know it, they know they're going to get posterized on national TV because he's extremely hard to keep up with great change of direction skills, extremely quick, just scoots. I've heard it described as scoots. And I think that's a really good description, um, makes it look easy. So he gets this big scramble to keep the drive going in the third quarter and then goes keeper and just, scoots in for the score right uh from like 13 15 yards out it wasn't super close it wasn't a dive by any stretch but just made it look easy he's there are so many where he gets in and you go god why wasn't he touched and then you realize because nobody you can't can touch, touch him. him yeah <laughs> <laughs> he made that happen so uh, you know kyler pushes it back Tua comes right back shows what we all knew he had coming out of Alabama um little running of his own has a couple nice runs now does he run at kyler's level or the same way no but he had a couple of very nifty runs uh to keep the That's drive the going exact for
1: the word i was gonna use which is nifty nifty
0: yeah the little movie made on the first
1: one where he was yeah, sort of leaning well,
0: to the outside and the
1: kind of like shoulder shrug yep, and just twist back to the and...
0: inside and picks up an extra four that that was really nice yeah um so too has got a little bit of that mobility game going uh as well and then hits holland for the uh hollands for the mini fade uh for the score not really a back shoulder not really a fade kind of an in between ball Hollands just reaches over the top and grabs it um so uh you know they come back they add a field goal on top of that we've got a game and we need to talk about this because this is weird. So Bobby McCain's hit on Christian Kirk was, was worthy. We're not, it's not a bootleg shot of the week nominee, but, um, if you want to go back and see a good hit, look at Bobby McCain's hit on Christian Kirk, but we need to talk about the kicking game here. Gonzalez ends up short on a 49 yarder. I'm going to repeat. Yeah. This. An NFL kicker ends up short on a sub 50 yard field goal. Now, if you or I did that, that would be completely normal. 50 yard field goal is a hell of a long kick for us, <laughs> for an <laughs> NFL kicker. That's not a kick you end up short on. And he ends up short by a good, like yard, maybe yard and a half. Like it was straight on and just didn't have the gas. And I, has anybody got an explanation for this? Because NFL kickers don't come up short on 49 yarders. They might come up short on 59 or even 65 yarders, but 49 yarders. I don't remember ever seeing that. He's,
1: he's hit on a 56 yarder earlier this year. Oh, he absolutely has the leg
0: and the stroke looked really clean to me. It didn't look like he stubbed his toe. It didn't look like there was a bobble on the snap, all the things that can cause lack of distance on a kick. Like it was a pretty good, it looked like a good process, good, clean kick. And it just falls it just like died on him. It wasn't no. close. It didn't hit the crossbar. Like it, it fell flat in the end zone. Like if you're going to miss it, at least put some leg behind it. Damn. I don't know. Yeah. And I, I just <laughs> don't get that because 49's still a good kick, right? The 40 to 49, yeah. look, you're kicking it. You're, you're not just, it's not a chip shot. You're not trying to angle it, you know, you're still kicking it, so it's not like he decided, oh, I'll just take a little bit off because I'm at 49. No, I mean, like you're still belting a 40-plus-yard kick, and whatever reason, uh, I haven't heard any explanation. Nobody's really said anything about it. Um, just an odd way, but a great game, two young quarterbacks slugging it out, uh, going to be a ton of fun when they get to match up um, throughout the years, and uh, you know, nothing but sort of positive vibes for for both teams.
1: With that being said, uh, why don't we move on to Fourth and Long and kind of run through the rest of these games, which we'll still talk about, but maybe not you know twenty minutes a game like the other ones do. Uh, fourth and Long is called Fourth and Long for a reason because because uh, we're us already. We're us. We're already, <laughs> already yeah, now in this thing. So because
0: us. Um, no because Giants, us. And, Giants and Giants Washington actually an an interesting football game uh, lots of love for Kyle Allen. Uh, I'm a guy that's had ankle surgery and he's, he's going to have some ankle surgery. And that was gross. I saw it on accident. I tend to look away when I know something terrible is going to happen to a player health wise. Um, I was talking to somebody while I was watching this replay and I was sort of keeping my eyes on the screen. And then I realized I really shouldn't be, and it was too late. And I saw the injury, not a good one, uh, he's not gonna be back this year, yeah, that's for sure. It's tough. Um, so all all love to Kyle and um, in there doing what he's trying to do, just a, a freak thing. Nobody tried to hurt him, nobody went low, it's just you know, big guy. I, I saw a lot fast. of people
1: uh, giving Jabril Peppers crap saying that he intentionally leg whipped him. I there's no way I didn't, I didn't think that was intentional.
0: If you look at Jabril Peppers after the play, if you look at him backing away and that the camera zoomed right in on him, he looked like he was yeah. gonna throw up. He seriously, I don't think he, he looked like he'd it. seen a ghost. He was, Yeah. he was aghast. He was like, oh man, he, that was not something he was trying to do. Um. Just so known him, him as a people.
1: person, like that's just not, that's just not him. Like, it's a I, no, person. I, you
0: yeah. know, I, it, it's a bang, bang play. It's not, Uh. it didn't look at all purposeful. I've seen. I've seen twenty-five dirtier hits this year that didn't result in terrible injury, but were way, way worse. So yeah, 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 not a thing. Now there was a Football Follies version. Do you remember Football Follies? Are you are you old enough for that?
1: I NFL football I, I I see. I saw the play that you're going to talk about, and I think it took all of four minutes for somebody put it to put yakity sacks over it and post it onto Twitter. It was ridiculous. There you go. <laughs> That's the thing. When you see. A couple of teams boot the
0: ball that many times before somebody comes up with it. Uh, so Gibson started it. He had a nice enter around. He gets tackled somewhat innocuously, not a huge hit, um, but the ball squirts loose, goes down the sideline, looks like it's either going out or somebody's going to grab it right away. Uh, four tries later and about 25 yards down the field, uh, still not uh, <laughs> possessed. So that was fun. And then there was the flea flicker of death. I wanted to bring that one up um this was alfred morris recently signed alfred morris getting the ball if you're not familiar with the flea flicker uh it's a handoff running back stops right before he hits the line turns around pitches it back to the quarterback only problem was morris should have seen that there were three washington defensive line defenders behind him (laughs) when he went to pitch Literally, as he turned around, he should have seen the three Washington jerseys and gone, wow, if I pitch this back, my quarterback's going to get killed and just eaten it, you know, turned around and tried to get whatever he could, um, would have been better than what happened. No, no. He pitched the ball and sure enough, his quarterback got scissored. Um, I called that the flea flicker. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what else did you want to pick out of this game? The McLaurin catch for TD was amazing. Uh, Terry McLaurin recently named captain of Washington, and rightfully so. Um, great throw, great catch. This is when Alex Smith had gotten into the game. Um,
1: yeah, the one the the one point I would bring up, and it's actually our our bootleg shot of the week that Cameron Curl sack. Here's the thing with Daniel Jones, and he was not the only person to make this mistake. Again, we mentioned Kyler made it earlier, where he's he's not checking. To see if uh, Agba's coming off the edge hot, he just kind of ran backwards and and took the sack. Uh, uh, Russell did it when we yep, talked about him. Yep, I was going to say a certain Pacific later.
0: Northwest quarterback did the same thing like, this week. Some
1: great quarterbacks made this exact same mistake, but I am going to harp on Daniel Jones doing it as well because he does it all the freaking time, and it's it's not something that happens rarely with him like it does for Russell or it does for Kyler or it does for Tom. It happens all the freaking time. When you are sliding your protection, either left or to the right, quarterback 101 is when the ball is snapped, you then glance the opposite direction of the slide because you need to see if somebody is coming free off the edge away from the slide. And if somebody's coming free, guess what? That's your responsibility as a quarterback. You're supposed to read that hot. And on that Cameron Curl sack where he got detonated without even seeing him coming which is why we nominated him for Shot of shot of the Week, because he just took it all right in the low back and just got crushed. But it was his fault that he got crushed. It was not a blown pass protection like I saw somebody saying. Like, Evan Ingram literally read uh, the rusher was coming hot, and then he ran hot to the flat like he's supposed to. Nobody around him for like 8 or 10 yards would have been a first down on 3rd and six easily. All Daniel Jones had to do was just look at him. That's all he had to do. Just look at him. Just... Play quarterback, check hot. It's ah, uh, it's so never frustrating even watching him. He never yeah, even looked.
0: He never even looked. He took that shot as hard as he did. It was such a big shot because he never even looked. He got the snap and he basically looked forward and to the right. He never even glanced, and Cam Curl just hits him dead square in the middle of the back. And it's because he never even glanced over there. If he had, he would have at least shrugged. Even if he didn't have an idea of hitting hot or or stepping up or anything else, he just didn't do anything. He took the snap and went, I'm going to throw the, oh,
1: no, I'm not. It's third down. Like, come on. I just, I'm so, I'm so over it. I'm so over Daniel Jones. Like, I just. Well, we can
0: move on from Daniel Jones. We got, we got some, we got some Daniel Jones, uh, agreeers and we got some daniel jones disagreeers in the comments and the disagreeers say typical things like surround him with more talent you know if you'd pulled the plug on Peyton after his terrible rookie year these things would happen uh, you know, those are the typical kind of comments for quarterbacks who've played for now a couple of years and and have not shown the ability to progress past some of the basics. And this one's a basic and it happens all the time for Daniel Jones. So we'll move on to other things that are um basic in in the bad way. Lions Vikings, uh Lions D right now, Matt Patricia, defensive specialist, hired as a defensive coach, uh, now has all his players in the building after a good solid tenure there. There's no excuse for what do you inherited or scheme or anything else like everybody's up to speed and the lions defense is rough to watch like that that's my note they're just rough to watch like dalvin cook is a great running back he ran against a lot of air in this game like he ran against some holes you could drive tractor trailers through uh you know he had no contact until well after the second level on several runs like the lions d is not schematically sound and it's not being coached because they have some good players like they have some talented guys like jeffrey Acuda is a talented corner like they have some talented defensive linemen uh they could use some linebacking talent for sure but like you know, they've got some talented guys, but they're not playing as a unit. And maybe you, you can't tell we're not in the building. We don't know what's being called necessarily, but the execution is not great. And the end result on the field is who it's not, uh, if you like defensive football now, again, as a Bears fan, this is where I get to not gloat, but say, Hey, I get to watch pretty good defensive, uh, defensive execution every week. I get to see really good defensive results. I get to see, you know, my team hold powerful and effective teams on offense to to a low point total. That is something I get to see. And like I said, I drool when I turn on the Raiders offensive tape. I kind of cringe when I turn on the Lions defensive tape because I'm like, oh, 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 guys, that's not going to work. It's not going to work. Oh, it didn't work <laughs> over and over again. So yeah. it's not yeah. friendly right now.
1: This this Lions defense, again, for all the talent they picked up from the Patriots and The draft picks they've invested, this defense is still 30th in terms of second-level yards allowed. Like per carry, just on the second level alone, uh, they are allowing a yard and a half extra per carry. That means five yards past the line of scrimmage. So what that tells me is that the linebackers are not getting to their spots on time. And even when they do, they're missing tackles and if you're missing a tackle against a guy like Dalvin Cook which on that 70-yarder where he just dusted a dude in the backfield and took off like it's it's brutal watching yeah. this team and
0: it goes on and on right it goes on all game it's not like oh they have one big defensive break you know every week and it costs them no it's pretty much defensive break after defensive break after defensive break and it's uh, uh you know i I feel for the Lions fans, right? Lions fans can be uh, certainly a bit chippy in your mentions. Um, that's something they're they're really good at, which is strange given their team's um, lack of success. But I feel bad for them. I really do uh, because this this is very very difficult to watch. It's for me like watching Bears offense, and that's a totally fair shot to take. Like the Bears are toothless on offense. Um, put out, uh, I think uh, Arthur Fishbane put out the. Stats today where the Bears rank, you know, midseason, and there was not a number over 28th. It was 28th, 29th, 31st, 28th, 20 you know, and that's for the offensive side. And they're, they're just terrible. And the defense for the Lions feels very much the same way. And look, the, the Lions have a fairly proud defensive tradition, um, and it is not being lived up to. So I just don't see how they carry on with Patricia after this year because it just seems, at this point, kind of hopeless. I'm not looking for a big turnaround there. Um, some positives out of this game. Uh, Cousins look good. Their uh, play action game, the first play action TD to Irv Smith was very good. Again, a great ball fake by Cousins. And I got to say the Lion, or sorry, the Vikings play action game on the goal line is really strong. Some teams struggle when they get to that spot. The Vikings actually seem to play a little bit better uh down in the red zone when things are compacted they had some really nice plays they had guys open again running against the lions defense which is not the biggest test um but uh other thing i wanted to point out was i got halfway through this game and i hadn't checked all the rosters and i said i bet kenny galladay's out (laughs) and why did i say that because the (laughs) lions looked completely toothless and we have said this over and over again on this podcast that galladay is the guy that changes that offense and makes it capable he is that alpha that gives them big strike capability and when they do not have him on the field they are a different O. sure enough galladay was out with a hip injury and the lions offense was predictably meh uh, stafford starts pressing he threw a couple of bad picks in this game he actually got replaced by chase daniel late in the game now this is a former bears backup uh, came out of missouri more than a few years ago um, Looks sharp initially <laughs> and then threw a terrible pick which i'm all too familiar
1: with yeah that sounds like um, chase
0: yeah that's pretty much it so not a lot to take away from this one's for lions fans vikings look pretty strong um lions did block a punt if you're looking for the silver linings uh so i guess special teams okay and then they blocked another punt how often does a team block two punts in one game so either the Vikings special teams, in terms of their punt protection, has a major problem, and the Lions figured it out. Or the Lions got two really good individual efforts, which is often what punt blocks come down to. So uh, take what you want away from that. Um, on to another game that I think we're both looking forward to a whole lot more, Ravens-Colts.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm still trying to figure out Jonathan Taylor. That That's kind of my big thing with the Colts. And I, I don't know if it's... I don't know if it's Taylor, like he had the early TD and then, you know, the the big fumble, they got coughed, coughed up for a return TD, but just for the entire season, I feel like he's been very streaky. I feel like Naheem Hines has been kind of like their most consistent back in terms of like run game and pass game. Uh, Again, I still have high hopes for him to be like a dominant back eventually, but I don't know. I just, I haven't quite seen it with him. Like, and it's not even like a physical thing. Like we see the potential, we see the cutting ability, we see the speed. But in terms of, like, allowing blocks to develop, in terms of ball security, in terms of, like, the tackle breaking isn't quite what it was at Wisconsin either, which I know it's it's easier said than done to, like, still be a tackle breaking machine in the pros compared to, you know, having guys that were in high school two years ago trying to tackle you in the Big Ten. Like, I get it. Uh, I just, I look at other young backs that we've seen come into the league, you know, top two round picks and immediately i mean immediately be among the best at their position uh and jonathan taylor weirdly enough for how talented he is i just i haven't quite seen him uh like be consistently that guy yet so again i'm holding out hope because he is exceptionally talented but i don't know am i off here or is no, Taylor just a little been bit kind of a slow
0: of- start and it's concerning because of the position he plays like there are yeah. plenty of positions where slow starts are kind of to be expected um nickel corner lots of responsibilities all the guys are bigger and faster it's a two-way go on every play kind of expect nickel corners to take a little bit to season um you know middle linebacker coming in calling the defense uh understanding what everybody's role around you is probably a different defense than you played in college middle linebackers can get off to a little bit of a slow start um, wide receivers, depending on, you know, site adjustments in an offense can be a whole different thing than asking, you know, a, a college receiver to run three routes. So sometimes a wide receiver, certainly tight ends, we do not see historically get off to fast starts when they transition from the college to the pros running backs. On the other hand, are one of the positions where we see guys light up very quickly because the roles and responsibilities are the same. And as long as they can handle pass protection, that's the big shift usually from college is, you know, uh, more reliance on them for pass protection. And, you know, if you get Russell Wilson killed, you're not going to get very much playing time. Uh, But Taylor, all the physical talent in the world, but a little bit of a slow start. Uh, We've seen fits and starts. He does have a good offensive line, that's the other thing. If he was running say, I don't know, behind the Bears offensive line or the Bengals offensive line, we might be saying, "Well, look, give this guy some holes and and he'll make some noise. He has a pretty good offensive line in front of him, some real talent up there." Um, so I don't think you're that far off. Um, but like you, certainly not willing to throw in the towel. Very, very talented guy
1: and maybe the game just needs to slow down for him a little bit. Uh, in Frank Greg's offense. Um, we'll see. The, the one thing, like, the, I guess the one solace that I have is that he still is leading them yards per carry, but there are no Colts running backs that are above 3.9. Like, 3.9 is Jonathan Taylor, and that's the best on the team, yeah. which to me almost kind of signals, like, maybe the offensive line is kind of an issue here.
0: Yeah. And scheme like- and play calling being again, a Bears fan has a lot to do with that. When you call the runs, right. And which runs you call in those situations can make a huge difference. If you've got a talented play caller pulling the right lever at the right time, it can be easy yards for your offense. And, and the, the converse is true, right? You call the, the, the expected run at the, at the predictable time. And your offense is going to struggle to get anybody even out of the backfield without getting hit. So, um, I maybe think I got to look at the tape on this one. Yes.
1: Yeah. I just gotta, I just gotta see what's going wrong. Like here. the why if it's, if it's line, if it's, you know, maybe teams are just selling out to stop the run because they don't think Phillip rivers can beat them, which would be a fair guess. Yeah. maybe it's the running backs, not seeing holes. It's just looking at the talent they have on paper. Like, having zero running backs even at four yards per carry is just that's that's crazy to me i i don't know that's not something i would have expected to see no i gotta do some work on that and see
0: especially not with the offensive line so two things you talked about philip rivers uh he is really shot putting it at this point we're getting to the point in the season that arm's getting tired and he is sort of having to turn his whole body over the top the arm motion's really short he looks like he's shot putting it. he's still getting it there uh but he's really working to do it and that's going to take a big toll on him down the stretch and the other thing i recognized just now that's a whole lot more random looking at the colts roster is that they have a linebacker named ej speed and that is the coolest freaking thing ever. He's from Tarleton <laughs> State, and you got to think, he's 6'3", 224, and on the back of his jersey it says, Speed.
1: That's so, so sick. <laughs> what, a what a name. This is great. we got to get him, him and Whitney Merciless on the same team. Have, have the all, <laughs> merciless all-name team. team. The all-name team, indeed. Um, anything else you wanted to hit from Ravens Colt? The Colts' defense
0: looked really fired up to me. Um I was going <laughs> to I wrote this note. Rivers is really lucky he didn't have an extra pick early in the third quarter. Overturned, he did. <laughs> <laughs> they counted it. Um but again, uh, speaking of the back that might not be getting or definitely isn't getting all the headlines, uh even though he maybe should be for the Ravens, Gus Edwards uh had another strong game as they're sort of bruising back punched it in for another tv td um jackson looked really good on a speed bootleg we got to call that out because we're the bootleg football podcast jackson on the speed bootleg for a touchdown looked really good uh and like i said rivers is starting to show the fatigue early early in the mid late season here um it's already starting to show that is not a good sign guy plays in a dome we kind of knew it was going to happen but uh, hopefully it sort of turns around maybe gets a little bit of rest for that arm in the next couple weeks who knows but right now he is he is working to get that ball downfield
1: my one other note for the game is people gotta stop panicking about the Ravens offense they've had literally one game all year we're in week nine now They've had one game all year where they scored less than twenty-four points. Bears fans would kill.
0: Yeah, them. I'm like, don't. Oh God, <laughs> like 24, tw- 24 points. Who like, does that?
1: People uh, panic when they don't put up twenty-four points. Now it's like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, that's, no, it's not like they have a terrible offense. defense. I mean, you know, no, you got, you like got corners, great Lamar. linebackers.
0: You got Matt Judon. Like, yeah. you you yeah. can turn over some leads or or even thin leads to that defense and feel okay about it um and and look Lamar we talked about Kyler Lamar is super fast uh he's not as quick yeah. as Kyler but he is super fast he's probably faster overall um and looked just easy getting those points on the speed bootleg uh he can score pretty much when he wants to uh if he settle down. So yeah, don't 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 freak out about the Ravens. Ravens are going to be okay. They're going to find their stride. Um, but the Colts defense uh, had a good game. They they were hitting in this game. They looked excited. They looked a little, um, you know, bloodthirsty in terms of causing turnovers and um, definitely sort of what kept them in this game.
1: If they had, like I don't know, a decent quarterback. Where if they're because Philip Rivers threw 43 times, he's not the kind of guy you want to throw 43 times at this point. If they got any more production out of the passing game, I mean, their leading receiver at 56 yards. If they got any any juice on offense, like this defense would probably have this team being probably seven or seven and one, six and two at this point. You know, point. this like, sounds it's like it's a really super good familiar
0: at this point, man. You're talking yeah, about low yeah. rushing totals. <laughs> You're talking about an offensive line that maybe isn't performing the way you thought it was, you're talking about a quarterback that's playing sort of average and receivers not having a ton of yards and a really fired up defense. I I I don't know, it
1: reminds me of something. Well, the Colts <laughs> did play the Bears a few weeks ago and I neither know. team scored 20 points and I it was know ugly from start to finish so yeah 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 it reminds me of the spider-man meme where spider-man's pointing at spider-man right these are
0: two (laughs) teams that are like hey you you look like me uh and that's where the sort of colts and bears are i think colts are in a a better spot overall but uh not 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 that far off yeah
1: not that far off uh speaking of being in terrible spots in the afc south uh texans jags (laughs) oh man um I, I didn't. Do you want to talk about the positives?
0: Tur- I mean, we can talk about positives.
1: They don't. I mean, happen to be Texans positives. <laughs> Deshaun's great. Yeah. Will Fuller's great. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah, that's about yeah. it. JJ does JJ things occasionally. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Luton. We need to talk about Luton because Luton was the
0: big switch this week for the Jags, right? So Minshew mania out. Jake Luton in uh, big, and I mean big tall, rookie from Oregon State. Big splash play early. Goes vertical to chart for 70-plus to open the scoring. like And for those of you that didn't watch Jake Luton as a beaver at Oregon State, you're forgiven. But his best highlights were driving the ball down the field at OSU. That is what he looked really good doing. Standing tall in the pocket. He's got a big arm. Um, not super mobile, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, and then Brandon Cooks, you've been a, a, a loud sort of um, detractor of Brandon Cooks at, at various times. Goes 57 down the sideline, looks pretty spry doing it to answer. Um, any, yeah, any... screen actually worked for once. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, any Brandon oh, Cooks that. thoughts, yeah. Um, if we're pivoting back to the Jags, uh, bootleg shot of the week nominee coming up here. I would say if if I had to call a winner in a landslide, this would be it miles jack levels david johnson and i mean levels puts him on his back david johnson lays there for a minute and you're like is he dead
1: oh no he moved he moved okay i definitely thought he was yeah no miles
0: jack had a big game forces a fumble later on from duke johnson uh he had some big games early in the season as well where he was just everywhere i think we brought him up in like week two or maybe week three in the point after um miles jack's been a little bit quiet still been playing well but that shot on david johnson go look it up holy cow did he absolutely tattoo him
1: yeah i think he got shoulder to like high chest i couldn't tell if he got him in the chin or not because the tv angle didn't really show it that well but either way like he didn't launch or anything like that but he definitely hit johnson high because johnson was kind of like suspended in the air and all that kind of it's one of those things where like when you leave your feet and then you take a hit at full speed like you're it's gonna hurt it's, yep it's you're gonna, gonna pivot no what and he you're gonna pivoted. Pivot. yeah it was a great hit uh to break up that pass on third and three if I recall correctly so got Houston off the field uh definitely rocked Johnson's cage a little bit and uh man great great hit Cunningham also we had a, a second bootleg shot of the week from this game uh the Zach Cunningham sack on a blitz later in the game where he just swallowed Luton whole uh you know kind of looked like a it was very similar to Bobby Wagner's sack the other mm-hmm. week where he just kind of extended both arms and just literally swallowed this dude whole on the blitz. Huge, huge hit in a key spot. Uh, Texans pass rush, I think, you know, made some key plays that were the difference in that game other than, uh, you know, Deshaun throwing it to Will over and over and over again. But yeah, huge, huge hit. So I'm going to nominate Cunningham as well for bootleg shot of the week.
0: Yep. We get one from each side. Nice balanced coverage. Uh, and... We have to bring up CJ Henderson. He's had some good games this year for sure. This was not one of them. Duke Johnson scores after CJ Henderson penalty that certainly gave the Texans a bunch of yards. And then Fuller smoked Henderson in the back shoulder for a long score later in the game. Looked to me a little yeah. bit like Henderson gave up on the goal line. I think he's probably going to take a little shit in the film room for that. Uh, looked like he could have at least tried to tackle him, maybe swatted the ball away. He kind of pulled up at about 5 yards and said, "Bag it, I'm not going to get anything." Um Watson, still a magician. This is a weekly thing, kind of like Kyler scoring on a on a keeper. Um, he had at least two completely improbable escapes in this game. And that seems to be about his sort of average over under I'd put about two and a half for the bet weekly for Watson escaping the backfield plays that no other quarterback could get out of, um, Kyler included. Watson just has a sort of sixth sense for which way to to dodge or which foot to lift to, to get over the swiping defender's hand. He's just, he's preternatural at getting out of the backfield unscathed and making things happen. He does it every week. It's not an accident.
1: He's Houdini, man. And there's a lot of quarterbacks. I think you could say like the top five hardest to sack quarterbacks are all up there for different reasons. You know, Kyler's hard to sack because he's quick. Lamar's hard to sack because he's fast. Uh, Allen's hard to sack because he's strong. Watson's hard to sack because he's just slippery. Super he's hard loose. to sack. Yeah. He's like Gumby. When he's like, he gets all, It's hit. all it's similar yeah. to like Alvin Kamara.
0: Yes, It never seems to take a really racking shot because he just is able to, to twist and make himself skinny. And, and again, just do the right thing with the right body part at the right time over and over and over again to the point where it's not an accident. It's just a skill. And whenever Watson takes a big one, I'm always a little surprised. I'm like, wait, that they actually got him. Like they hit him pretty hard. How did that happen? (laughs) um so didn't happen that much in this game and then at the end we talked a little bit about Luden's mobility and we got to talk about his great rushing TD at the end he showed he's got a little bit more athletic ability than I thought he had moving the ball ends up sort of turning himself into a runner not a designed run play puts his head down and, and really looks determined to score makes a move and ends up getting into the end zone they're talking about a guy that's like 6'6 six, six? He's like 6'4", six, 6'6". Six, yeah. six. He's a big, tall drink of water. If
1: if you give up a spin move to a guy who's 6'6", six, six, who turns and doesn't really move, he's just <laughs> turning while moving straight. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you got to turn in your strap after that one. That was just gross. I can't remember which corner it was. <laughs> but he just yeah, kind of my favorite thing was and... the
0: surprised look on Luton's face when he did it. He was like, "Guys, <laughs> was like, oh, guys, that worked! <laughs> I've never done that before. It was amazing." Um, but Whoa. you know, great, great game. He he did throw an interception to Hargreaves, who returned it almost for a pick six. Look, that's a rookie mistake. I think he showed some things, uh, you know, a lot of people were excited. I was excited as a, as a backup, you know, again, as a late rounder or possibly a UDFA. He was certainly on my list for guys you could grab for some developmental potential. And I, you know, in his first start, boy, that initial shot to chart, uh, opened some eyes, uh, but he did a lot at OSU. The folks that scouted him, there were probably like, yep, looks like his tape. Uh, so interesting game. I'm sorry. It was painful for you, but you know. That's okay.
1: you can't hurt me anymore. I'm already dead. You
0: can't kill me. I'm already dead, yes. <laughs> I'm I'm aware of that. Moving on to two teams that aren't dead, the Broncos and the Falcons. Um Zacchaeus. We need to talk about Zacchaeus as if the Falcons didn't have enough receiving talent popping up on a regular basis. What are they five deep now? Uh it, five, six. I mean, you know, depends. <laughs> um but nasty one-hander across the middle that kind of woke everybody up. And then, uh, you know, it didn't end there. Ended up catching a bomb TD from Ryan. Uh, and then another long pass later on in the game. Like, this was not a one-off, like, highlight play. Like, Guy had a good game. Like, a really good game. Yeah.
1: I mean, you, you look at you look at Julio, obviously. You know, Ridley, when he comes back from the foot sprain, is, is awesome. I'm a big Russell Gage guy. Zacchaeus is making play like Christian. Blake. Just... <laughs> like they're just coming out of the weather. They're, they're man. just dripping in receivers. It's you know, who's the tight end they, they got in a trade to uh um,
0: oh from Baltimore. Um
1: uh, uh I loved them too as a prospect. Yeah, God, you liked him more name? than
0: I did. I wasn't
1: uh I want to say South Carolina, is that right? Yeah, yeah. He's the baseball player. Hold on, let me look it up. i am going am a I'm a uh yeah. stand by, stand by Because If by. you hadn't said it. Hurst. Hayden Hurst. Yeah, Hayden Hurst. Yeah. Like they got they got a lot of receiving talent. And Todd obviously can catch the, catch the ball well out of the backfield, too. When he's not getting absolutely lit up by Josie Jewell, that is. Uh no, <laughs> another, another bootleg shot of the week nominee. Josie oh, Jewell, my God. oh
0: man, he came up hard on Gurley. That was a that was a big boy hit for sure. Um we were reminded of Noah Fant speed. Caught a little flare on the sideline and then accelerated and ran away from a defensive back. That was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. No offense, really fast. Um, speaking of fast, more fast guys on the Broncos. Hamler on the end around. We got to talk about it. K.J. Hamler. They're figuring out ways to just get him the ball because they know if they can get him in space, he's really dangerous. Ends up with a pretty good gain uh, on the end around. Um, yeah, so guys like Powell and Christian Blake making making scores and catches for atlanta the backups are really powering that offense right zacchaeus powell christian blake these guys are not the guys you think of when you name atlanta's offense you're going to say ridley and julio jones and matt ryan and and maybe you're going to say Hayden Hurst, but uh you know these if you look at the stat sheet they weren't the ones filling it up this week um and then uh one of my favorites simmons the safety for Denver finally picks off Ryan for going to the well one too many times. Ryan was getting a little too comfortable whipping it off down the middle. And Justin Simmons was like, yeah, uh, 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 (laughs) you don't, you don't get to play that same number three times in a row. Um, picks him off, kind of slows down that pace. But Ryan finally throws one to Julio Jones. (laughs) The, the named wide receivers get on the board, which was nice. Um, and we talked about Locke earlier at the top of the program in the AFC West conversation, but threw a couple of flat strikes to Jerry Judy in this game, including a TE or uh, including a TD.
1: Did, did you see that? Uh, that I clip did. <laughs> <where> <laughs> I know he the up his about. Hand. he yep. throws up his hand. He throws up his hand because he's like, I'm open. He's selling the go route against, I think it was AJ Terrell, 24, um, who's a rookie. And so Judy, like he's, he outside releases and he's selling like he's going to do the old Randy Moss, throw the hand up, throw him in the ball in the end zone. And so Terrell just starts. Turns and runs. It he, <laughs> he just turns and runs. And then Judy stops and sends him six yards flying. And Judy stops on a dime. You know, his short area quickness is just outrageous. And it was, it was I'm not even kidding, one of the dirtiest moves I've ever seen. Just from a, a mental fuckery standpoint yeah so like it if was i so had good
0: way more time than i actually have i would go back and see if judy didn't pull that one on him in college
1: they did play each other right
0: yeah i think they played each other at least once and i would love to go back zabruder film style and see if i can figure out if Either Judy or one of the other Atlanta wide receivers hasn't done that to Terrell before because it looked a little too practiced. Um, maybe it's just something he cooked up. Look, Jerry Judy, extremely talented guy, but it was it was dirty.
1: <laughs> it's you know it's a curl. But that's one of those things where, like, a curl isn't just a curl. No, curl with veteran savvy. (laughs) Let's
0: call it that. So, Gurley smashes one in. Lock again, keeps the drive alive. Great scramble. Drills one to Patrick for the score. Throws another long dart to Judy. And then he runs it in, speaking of mobility. uh, But they just couldn't quite muster enough to knock off Atlanta. Another one of those teams that seems to be able to find ways to lose every week. They find a way to hold on. Um, They've... Their tenure's changed the tenor for that team has changed a little bit um mm-hmm. since raheem's taken over and they look to be closing out those tighter games and you got to do that to win in the nfl not every game is going to be a blowout uh, you know chiefs played a close game two out of the last three weeks so um it's gonna happen and you're gonna have to not you know piss away early leads or fumble away late leads and atlanta hangs on for one so you know, good for them, but some positives for dinner. They've been beat up. They certainly have a rotating cast of characters without Cortland Sutton and a lot of other players. Um, uh, you know, again, young quarterback who's figuring it out and they're still competitive. So good game for them. Um, Hawks, Bills, Seahawks and bills. This I thought was going to be a very competitive game. It didn't really turn out to be that way. Um, the bills got the better of the Seahawks spoiler alert um Allen looks to be over that sort of early mid-season blip where he looked like he forgot how to do everything he knew that he'd done in the first four or five weeks so well he's back to making good decisions he's back to being calm in the pocket uh opens up the scoring with like a 25-yard flip to mckenzie because that's all a 25-yard pass is for josh allen it's literally a flip um And then rips a laser to Croft for another score. And the Bills are up 14-0, which you certainly didn't expect. Look, the Seahawks defense hasn't been great. But Bills just sort of easily rolling up 14. Um, and then we talked about this at the top. You you gave it the little foreshadowing. Um, Russ buys a load of time and then throws a really late, uncharacteristic pick to Hoyer in the end zone. He gets out towards the sideline, jukes the defensive back a couple times to kind of gain space. And then just sort of chucks it to Hoyer in the middle of the side just of the back. Lobs the it up there. And it, again, it's one of those shocking things. It's like seeing Kyler or Watson sort of get sacked easily. You're like, wait, that doesn't happen. Like Russ doesn't throw that ball away, especially not in the end zone. Um, and, you know, he did it. Tom Brady made some really uncharacteristically bad throws that ended up getting picked this week. A couple of, couple of just sort of, huh? Moments for some, for some really good players um but the bills kind of ran this one out in terms of ran up the score early seahawks pushed back a little bit but like look the bottom line on this is the bills put up 44 and again as a as a bears fan i'm like 44 that's three weeks worth of points don't waste them (laughs) right they put up 44 and they won by 10 yeah, like if the Bears put up forty-four, they'd win by thirty or or twenty-five, right? You'd win by three touchdowns. Plus, you'd have your backup quarterback in. So
1: uh, both defenses had a lot of issues in this game, and I know the Bills got four turnovers, which is kind of their saving grace. But they gave up a lot of yards and a lot of points in between those turnovers. And without those turnovers, they they would have also given up forty-four. So yeah. I know, you know, Bill's Mafia is super happy this week, but they got some work to do on defense because they were throwing it. Like uh, Lockett had some great catches. Obviously, DK had another monster game. Um, There was a a David Moore, like touchdown that was like 50 yard. Oh, my God. That was very much like
0: the David uh, or the Derek Carr throw to Renfro. Like literally Russ running around. And I think the one thing that was interesting about the throw to Moore in the end zone, I literally think that's as far as Russ can throw it.
1: But it got there.
0: (laughs) No, no, no. It's not that it was short or anything else. It was still a touchdown. He threw it over the defender. But if you look at that, that looks like maximum effort from Russell Wilson. Like, I don't think he could throw it a yard farther. Like that is it, and Russ has a good arm. It was
1: fifty or sixty. Yeah, Russ has a good arm, but I was fifty or sixty through the
0: air. I think we found the limit of it, and it was a touchdown. And the same kind of a thing. He just ran around a bit, found a guy he had more, went deep enough, and Russ hucked it like he gave everything with that throw and it ends up being a touchdown. It's not like he came up short and I'm trying to say that he doesn't have a great arm. I I think we might have seen that the physical limit of, of Russ Russell Wilson's arm.
1: Yeah. I just, again, turnovers notwithstanding, it it wasn't, it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't turnovers plus dominant defense. It was, it was porous defense interspersed with turnovers for both teams. It's just Seattle didn't get, the turnovers like Buffalo did. And honestly, that was the difference in the game, was For just sure. Allen not making the same mistakes that Russ did. So they were able to capitalize and get the 44 points. Whereas Seattle, again, you're throwing a pick in the end zone. Um, when he was pressing, he threw that pick on uh, against cover two, where Trey White just sunk under the corner route to D.K., which is I mean, that's a ball that that Russ never gets picked. I off. know there like, were t- that those were the
0: two throws, both the picks, yeah. the pick to Poirier and the pick to Davius White where I kind of went, "Huh." I mean it's just yeah. so uncharacteristic again as a guy that watches plenty of Seahawks football. I was just like, "What?" <laughs> like, who is was that Russell or was he out for a down? No, it was Russell um and very very uncharacteristic you're gonna have those games throughout a season or a career but a, a really really off game um for Russell. but at the same time look th- you know they put up 34 points he threw a couple of nice ones to dk yeah. through the big that's what Things i'm to saying it off. wasn't
1: it, it, that's what i'm saying it wasn't that great of a defensive performance because you still gave up 34 points now if he had a decent defense
0: behind him with 34 points he wins the game but not yeah. the case this year in Seattle. Uh, we did however, end up with a bootleg shot of the week nominee out of this one too. AJ Klein mashing Russ for a sack fumble that he also recovered. Um, just came right up in his grill, hit him straight up and sort of rolled over him pushed the ball off. Uh, big shot by AJ Klein. Um, again, not a t- typically you don't see Wilson take those sort of straight in the face shots. Um, he's great at doing that spin out the back pivot move. that's a patented Russell Wilson move. He avoids so many hits and shots that way. Um, didn't avoid this one took it right up high in the in the chest and uh, ended up coughing up the ball. Bills get like you said another possession another chance. And it was the
1: same mistake that it was the same mistake that uh, Daniel Jones made. yep again, it's a slide in protection. look the other way, check hot. Russ didn't look, and it's a, it's the same kind of thing. It's the mistakes that he never makes. He was making them, and it led to those four turnovers, and this defense is not good enough that if you're giving them four turnovers, like they, they, they cannot help you out. So those mistakes were the difference in the game. And by the way, I just want to say one thing. Um, my film room episode this week is on the Seattle defense and why it is so terrible. That's why I'm not super going into it heavy in the podcast today because there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of problems it's it's a lot uh, of issues that they have just keep an eye out for the film room it'll be out thursday or friday most likely friday knowing me oh uh,
0: remind me to send you a thing about their pass rush <laughs>
1: seattle's pass rush uh-huh <laughs> you'll love it <laughs> okay oh uh, that sounds scary to oh it is sense. so
0: scary uh but uh, is I'll, it a stat i'll find it yeah no it's a it's a combined um total of their uh pressures slash hurries hits and sacks by game and it's like i humbly submit it's not a pass rush problem (laughs) was i think the title of the tweet i can't remember
1: no it's it's a coverage
0: problem I, i would yeah i would uh I would credit the the author of the tweet if I remember it. Anyways, I'll send it along. But moving on to Steelers Cowboys, which is the '70s throwback game, right? This is the, the glory days of the 1970s throwback game, but not not so this year. Um, Cowboys O starts off hot with wait, checks notes. Garrett Gilbert at the helm. <laughs> Yikes! Uh, and then he takes a sack and they settle for field goal. But uh, did hit CD uh, for score on a nice throw. Um, you had a little bit more detail on that throw you wanted to go into.
1: Yeah, so uh, really good game planning here from the Cowboys in terms of knowing that the Steelers really like to play quarters coverage in the red zone. Uh, that's like They play three deep a lot, but in the red zone specifically, they play a lot of quarters. And so they kind of schemed this one up where they had an out-and-up uh, flood concept here. And the thing is, if you're playing match quarters... Whoever the underneath, quote unquote, underneath receiver is like the first uh, the first read inside of 10 yards, it's typically going to go to a linebacker. And if you're running two receivers deep out of a three by one, the corner's going to pick up one of them and the near safety's going to pick up the other one. The linebacker is going to take whoever the underneath receiver is. So CD runs a quick out, at least seems like a quick out. Which, so uh, Spillane, the linebacker, picked them up. And then all CD had to do was just wheel up field on the out and up. The corner was already taken inside uh, by the inside post. And so then Spillane's trying to keep up with CD Lamb down the sideline on the out and up. (laughs) There's no chance in hell he's going to be able to do that. (laughs) Good luck. And then, uh, obviously, they get the easy touchdown out of it. There is a way for a defense to guard that play in match quarters, but... They really gotta be on their game in terms of the, uh, the the safety playing a poach technique on the other side to pick up the number three, so that the the other safety can then pick up the number one, so that the corner can then pick up the new number one. On that, that sounds very like, much
0: like that sounds incredibly Saban-esque. Describing it's the,
1: very complicated, yeah. and you have to have guys that that play together a long time, that see that play together before. Spillane's obviously only been in the lineup for a little bit since Bush got hurt, and it's, it's tough to pull off uh, guarding that play in match quarters unless you really know what you're doing, and so again, great design from the Cowboys, it's a cover four beater, uh, and really good job of trying to just get Gilbert the best possible matchups he could to score on a very good defense
0: yeah big ben comes back manufactures a td with a pump fake we've seen this stop me if you've seen this one like a billion times uh it's almost <laughs> a patented roethlisberger movie does this one to washington and it is uh, vintage the pump fake almost there was a point which chris berman kind of seemed like he was doing an impression of chris berman after a while Right. (laughs) And it almost seems like Ben's doing an impression of Ben. Like it's not as clean or sharp as it was, but it still works and everybody still gets it and laughs. Um, Yeah. Washington laughs all the way to the end zone for that. Great uh, pump on a sluggo slant and go route. And that's that that's ball game. Easy throw Um, CD comes up with a big fumble, right to Minka just coughed it up and it happened to go right into Minka's gut at warp speed um pollard looked good again this game we've called him out a couple times on the podcast seemed to be almost the lead back in this one zeke had his touches as well but um tony pollard seemed to be doing most of the ground game pickup um dallas was moving the ball with gilbert at quarterback but all field goals very few touchdowns
1: it's a tough red zone defense to crack you know, there's there's only so many quarters beaters you can turn to. That's right. We <laughs>
0: talked about all the talent they have, Hayward and it, and everybody on the defensive line uh, last week, and that that definitely got to the Cowboys. They stalled and, and ended up settling for field goals, and that's never good because uh, it will come back to haunt you. Um, Pittsburgh comes back powered by Juju. We also talked about Juju last week. Um, you looked this up. I knew that he had three big catches on the drive. You looked it up. He had all seventy-five yards on a drive and the score, on another pump. Yeah,
1: literally every single yard. That never happens. No, they were down. uh, They were down like nineteen to nine or something like that, and or whatever it was. Uh, And then they, at the end of the drive, they pulled within like four or five points, whatever it was. But so they were down double digits. They were down multiple scores, and Juju had every single catch, every single yard. And the touchdown on that drive. And, and it was the same kind of stuff we were talking about last week, where it's it's the screens, it's the crossing routes. Uh, you know, he's the, the number three inside in the slot. Uh, they get too high in the red zone. He runs a corner post because he's matched up one-on-one on the safety based on their match coverage. And so the safety bites on the corner. Juju wins inside the post and then powers through multiple guys, you know, breaking the tackle, breaking the plane. He's... He's just so reliable, and he's not as good at separating as Deontay Johnson. He's not as physical as Chase Claypool, but I'll be damned, when they needed 75 yards and a score because they were trailing one of the worst teams in the league, he got them there, and I I love Juju for that. He's so reliable.
0: Yeah, he's tremendous. Uh, A little bit unheralded this year. That's starting to turn around. Uh, Well, certainly if you're listening to this podcast in the last two weeks, but um those plays don't necessarily go unnoticed did get in the end zone as well this week which he has not been doing that those balls have been going to claypool and uh the other wide receivers um cowboys blocked a field goal it's a big week for special teams plays making a difference in games um and then another special teams play and this is a shout out to friend of the podcast danny kelly was a large huge rico dowdle supporter rico dowdle running back from south carolina dowdle ends up with a big kick return to set dallas up towards the end of the game um and just a shout out for rico doddle lover danny kelly uh had to throw that in there because
1: he was a big rico fan he might be the only rico doddle fan i've ever heard of uh he was <laughs> he was
0: outspoken in his love for rico doddle i will say i he he reached out to me he's like what do you think of rico doddle and i was like i don't know it's all right like i'd pick him up super late or or maybe udfa like you know You can get running backs. He's like, I don't think so. I, you know, I think he's better than that. I was like, okay, Danny. Um, you know, so we all see different stuff, but, uh, no, I always, whenever I see Rico Donald get touches, I always ping Danny on text. I'm like Rico Donald sighting. Um, so (laughs) Minka ends up getting a pick in the end zone that the rush generated, right? That was again, pure Steelers pass mm -hmm. rush, getting to the quarterback, Basically a duck coming out. mink is the beneficiary. Uh Pick gets the field goal to pull within one. Um Deontay Johnson, who we talked about a little bit earlier, huge play down the sideline. Ebron seals the drive with a hurtling TD. And then Pittsburgh actually ends up getting the ball back after Dallas has a possession. And this one's gonna sting a little bit, especially against the Cowboys defense that has been um porous for most of the year. Pittsburgh, when they needed it, couldn't get one yard to seal this game and march off to an un- unbeaten status now they end up winning the game so a lot of people are going to overlook that but they needed one rushing yard and james Conner actually got tackled for about a two yard loss they couldn't get one yard four yard loss yeah it was not not a pretty Even play. Worse. um so the steelers dodge a bullet uh cowboys end up chucking one into the end zone uh you know as time expires it gets batted down fairly easily but the fact that the Cowboys with their third string quarterback, were pushing the Steelers to, you know, a last second Hail Mary possibility that would have won them the game. Uh, You know, look, you got to win the close ones. You got to win the easy ones. You got to win all of them if you're going to, you know, certainly go unbeaten. But if you're going to make the playoffs, typically in this league, you got to take every win you can get because they are hard to manufacture. Um, Steelers breathing a bit of a sigh of relief. They I, you know if you look past anybody it would be fairly easy to look past the cowboys and the cowboys stood up and played them right down to the line with garrett gilbert leading the charge
1: yeah it was a overall ugly game kind of entertaining but in an ugly kind of way <laughs> uh, I, I do have one last note for this game if you guys want to see a dead body go look at cam Hayward's sack on fourth and eight late in the fourth oh. quarter uh, in the in the drive before the Steelers couldn't get that last yard, Cam Hayward, Oof, yeah, he, he demolished came. Connor Williams. Yeah. I mean, one arm threw him like four yards. I, I was a little bit worried about Hayward going into this game because he, he seemed a little bit banged up the week before that with a quad injury. I wasn't even sure if he was going to play uh yeah no he's fine yeah he's good to go (laughs) connor williams you might
0: want to check on though do a wellness check on connor williams he had a rough week there that was not the only rep uh look if you're an offensive lineman you're playing the steelers defensive line you're not gonna have a great week if you survive and have an average week and nobody knows your name at the end of it you had an amazing week um connor williams did not have that week he had he he got abused um yeah Moving on, Saints-Bucks, last game we're going to talk about uh, before we wrap it up with our bootleg shot of the week nominee uh, sort of roundtable. Um, Tampa Bay, blown coverage on the first TD to Smith, like blown coverage, nobody close. Uh, nobody had him, bunch of people looking around like, I thought he was yours, I thought he was yours. Um, nah. Nah. Harris making big plays for New Orleans, a speed guy for New Orleans for the Saints. Second straight week, he's been racking up yards. Drew Brees is starting to find his number, um, getting in the ball, and he is he's
1: got some jets. Um, I want to see him get more involved on offense and not just on special teams because that dude, he's he's there's very few guys in the league that run or that move like Tyreek. Yeah, he's he's one of them. Like you you put him with Andy Reid. Andy would get him the ball. I think, honestly, he could be a better receiver than me, And that's saying something. Hmm. Interesting. Well, we've seen a lot more of him over the last two
0: weeks. And Sean Payton, not an offensive slouch, especially when, when Breeze is dealing and he's back to dealing. Um, Saints coughing up on the two-yard line while driving. That was tough. Uh, Jared Cook, I think, pitched it. He had uh, another one later in the game that was ruled um, not a turnover. But he had some ball security issues this game. We got to talk about this. Adam Troutman touchdown alert. <laughs> guy yep. that uh we got to interview a couple of times at the Senior Bowl, big fans, um engineering student out of Dayton, um big guy, uh surprisingly big guy in person, um was recruited as a quarterback at Dayton, moved to tight end for the good of the team, um kept growing uh had a tremendous senior role ends up getting drafted by the saints had a touchdown on this one and contributed on some other plays as well um had a nice gain down the sideline uh later in the game huge game um and lays a lick at the end of a run on that one that was my <laughs> favorite that was a drive that ended in the josh hill td but uh troutman's going down the sideline he can either go out of bounds or he's got this defensive back and he's like Mm. And I bring that up because I talked to him about blocking, right? Being a quarterback and tight end, you, you not only have to catch, but you also have to block. And I said, you know, what's your, what's your approach on blocking, right? You've had a tremendous offensive season blocking, sometimes considered the dirty work. I wanted to see how he approached it. He took a pause and he looked at me and he goes, you know, burying a guy on a good block, imposing your will on another mature human being who's really not interested in it is better than catching a touchdown. (laughs) And he said it in all seriousness. And I was like, I love this guy. This is my D.I. Anyways. So great. Brady can still rip it. This is right before he tossed the pick to Marcus Williams. When Brady lights it up, he does not look like the other quarterbacks we talked about that are aging, like Philip Rivers, who was shot putting, like Drew Brees. The arm is there. He, when he unloads, he can still throw it on a line. The guy's what forty what years old? <laughs> 42 43 43, i think that is now yeah Yeah. when he lets it go he's still got it and and that is surprising but he tosses a pick to williams a little bit later and it was just kind of par for the course this was not going to be their day we talked about it earlier in the podcast some uncharacteristic things um done by good quarterbacks uh brady was in that group this week um they finally catch a break bucks finally catch a break breeze fumbles it uh they drive down but gronk drops it in the end zone speaking of all this fountain of youth stuff from a couple of weeks ago all of a sudden it looked like the potion wore off Uh, Gronk (laughs) had it and just just didn't get there so uh levante david lays a big shot on a camara screen this is one of our bootleg our last bootleg shot of the week nominees um yeah, this is a play that you pointed out. The Saints run fairly often. Saw a bunch of other teams run it as well. uh The orbit motion, where they go back to the opposite side for a screen. Yeah, Levante David was having none of that. He, as soon as Kamara leaked out to the side, he was on a line, and he got there right after the ball and laid him out.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was like a what a four or six yard loss, something like that. Yeah. I, and it's the thing is as, as soon as he saw the orbit motion and then they kind of run like a an inside zone with a sift block off the orbit motion cuz they try to they basically try to pull the linebackers towards the orbit while the defensive line is then trying to win to the other side the front side of the inside zone and it's almost a way of just making that sift block on the back side of it connect with a little bit better of an angle and then every once in a while if you can get the linebackers to then fall back into that gap and play it aggressively, then they'll be out of position to then play the screen to the front side. And so Levante didn't take the bait. He didn't fall back into that lane because he's like, nah, I know what's coming. And as soon as Kamara just kind of started to turn and leak a little bit, Levante triggered, beat every single block. Uh, it was like three guys that were going to be out in front of the play, and Levante just he he got there so quickly the blocks didn't even get set up yet and met Kamara at the ball, just tagged him. I mean, great, great hit, form tackle, dragged it down for a loss. Again, the, the Bucks got waxed in this game, but there were still a few individual plays that, that kind of remind you, like, hey, there's a lot of talent on this team.
0: Yeah, good players making big plays, right? And you do see it. Um, I'm always impressed. It's one of the things I, I you know, Uh, tweeted out something this week about being a degenerate and tuning in for you know dowell loggins running a joe flacco offense that game actually turned out pretty good we're not we're not going to go into it but um there's always something to learn even late in a loss who's still playing who's still running hard who's you know diagnosing plays that you can tell they watch the film and they're trying to you know they're trying to put every good rep they can on tape those players stand out especially at the end of the season for losing teams teams that have kind of who are literally just playing out the string. You can see which guys want it, which guys are still driving and which guys have kind of mailed it in or are just picking up their checks.
1: Yeah. I, I respect the bucks for hanging in there and still playing hard to the end, even though they were just completely outmatched. Um, the saints defense played out of their minds. The, the bucks offense was mostly out of sync and this statistically was probably one of the worst three games Tom Brady has ever played. The worst I can remember since uh, probably that 2014 uh, you know disaster in Kansas City where they it was like 40 to 15 or something like that, and everybody was convinced the Patriots were terrible and the the dynasty was over. And then you know they went <laughs> the to, annual to Tom Bowl. Brady is done that's <laughs> gone on for the last five years. Yeah. There's one of these kind of games every single year where Tom Brady loses big. It's not normally this big, but it's happened before. Kansas City's done it to him multiple times by themselves. This year it happens to be the Saints. Like Tom Brady will lose big once a year. Everybody's going to be convinced that it's over. And then we're looking at him in January in the Divisional and the Championship and then the Super Bowl. And everybody's like, oh, how, how could we be so stupid? Yeah, Don't take the bait it's Tom Brady. He's going to win next week. I don't even know who they're playing. He's going to win next week. I don't even know who they're playing, but he
0: very rarely loses two weeks in a row. I would I would probably put folding money on on Brady uh next week because he just doesn't stack losses back to back. And look, he took a beating. Uh he is hyper competitive and this one's going to burn a little bit the film is not pretty he's you know i would imagine bruce arians will be giving it to in the film room and rightfully so he played a bad game he's going to want to wipe that taste out of his mouth as soon as possible um look for tom brady to have a very solid outing next week
1: the next four games for tampa all sound immensely entertaining so this (laughs) sunday they're on the road at the panthers Ooh. then they host the rams okay uh and then six days later the month the rams game is a monday nighter by the way six days later they're hosting the chiefs and then they're hosting the vikings all four of those games sound super interesting to me yeah it's gonna be fun yeah if you and then they of, finish with the falcons and the lions i was, so. I was gonna
0: say if you could travel with the team for the month that'd be a great little sort of microcosm of where they're at and whether or not they're Really, really good. Again, I'm not thinking that everything's over and everything's going to crumble. They have way too much talent for that. And, and quite frankly, way too much competitive drive to just fold. I don't think that's going to happen at all in Tampa. But uh, it'd be a really interesting sort of follow follow the Bucks for a month and, and see how they get through each of those four contests. Um, again, I wouldn't want to be Carolina right now with Tom Brady licking his wounds from a bad beating. Historically, it's not a good place to be. <laughs>
1: And with Christian McCaffrey probably not going to play, yeah, he hurt that's his shoulder so unfortunate this week. Yeah. Like, the, yeah. Teddy's got his work cut out for him. I'll say that.
0: Yep. Hopefully, Mike Davis comes back big, but he's going to have his work cut out for him against that Tampa Bay defense. They are they are solid. So, uh, let's recap our bootleg shot of the week nominees from this week: Cam curls sack. We talked about that at the top. Miles Jack leveling David Johnson. Uh, same game. Zach Cunningham sack on Luton. Uh, Josie Jules hit on Gurley as he got out on the edge for the Falcons, AJ Klein, mashing Russ in that bills Hawks game. And then Levante David laying a big shot on the Camara screen, uh, late in the saints or bucks saints game. So, uh, those, we will post those. You can vote on them on YouTube. I keep saying, we're going to do a Twitter poll and I keep forgetting. So I will put it up, uh, on my Twitter, uh, after the pod comes out, um, and let you vote there as well give you a couple of sources um yeah uh you said already that you're working on a film room we're gonna have a bears over Bears this week talking about not necessarily the titans game because ick that was gross but really what the bears can do now that we're past the trading deadline if anything uh to try and salvage a season or uh Sort of three moves that they can make during the season, and three that they might need to make postseason. Um, so my other co-host Jeff Burkus and I are both going to bring our lists and then compare notes. So it should be fun. Um, and uh, there might be a might be a Brett Coleman sighting on on Bears over Beers in a, in a few weeks. We'll, we'll see. Um, Got to get that closeted Bears fan out of bread every once in a while.
1: Yeah, especially since. Texans Bears play in the not too distant future, and I can imagine uh, no worse hell than watching these two teams play each other right now. I'm
0: always reminded of that little meme. What fresh hell is this? It kind of reminds me of 2020. <laughs> um, that could be the Texans-Bears game. We could have fun with that. Maybe we'll maybe we'll pencil that in. But again, thank you for sticking with us. We know we went over the two-hour mark. We know you love it. We're not going to say short anymore. Uh, everybody seems to be sold that this is something they want to do. We're trying to get back to that regular release schedule. We did hear you in the comments on YouTube that that's an important thing to you uh we're gonna work hard to meet it can't always guarantee that we're gonna hit that deadline but i think we will this week um what else you got before we get out of here partner
1: uh ken norton buddy i'm coming for you this week i'll just say that
0: uh i think some people should be coming for ken norton's job he really if there's a if there's a case for an in-season firing like he's
1: he's right up there yeah it's it, it might be about that time. I'll just say that. But, yeah, keep an eye out for the film room. Uh, lots more coming with that. And then we got another episode of the Bootleg Football Podcast recapping week 10, uh, same time next week, shooting for a Wednesday release. So, again, thank you to everybody for tuning in. We'll see you in seven days. And until then, later.